I think a lot of you guys know that I like basically grew up under a rock, right? So I'm from small town, small island, off the coast of Washington State, really like countercultural, hippie parents, didn't have internet in our house until, I think I must have been in middle school or high school, but most importantly, didn't have a television in our house ever. So to this day, there is so much about pop culture that I just like completely missed. So almost any time that people reference a movie, a song, a celebrity, I have no idea what they're talking about. And this happens so often, in fact, that instead of interrupting people like 500 times a day to say, wait, what's that? Wait, what? Wait, what's that? Most of the time, I just smile and nod and smile and nod, and they usually have no idea that I have no idea what they're talking about. I almost never get busted, but every now and then I do, and it happened just this past week. So I was in the nursery with Matt Griepentrog, our youth director, and Matt was changing baby Ava's diaper, and he says to me, so is it normal for your baby's poop to be green? And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, totally. Breastfed baby, green poop, totally normal. And Matt's like, yeah, but what about like ecto-cooler green? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, absolutely, totally normal, totally normal. But now Matt knows me pretty well, and so he looks at me and he kind of squints and he's like, do you even know what ecto-cooler is? I'm like, oh, shoot! No, no, I don't have any idea what that is. And so, to be honest, then I went home and Googled it, and I still don't understand what it is. So one of you are going to have to explain it to me after the service. It has something to do with the movie Ghostbusters. But anyways, my point is, the total ton of information that I don't know, that you do know, it could stun a team of oxen in its tracks. Now, I don't know what you don't know, but you know, do you ever wonder what it is that collectively we don't know? Okay, stay with me, people. <laughs> okay, here's an example, imagine this. Have you, heard, have you heard people say that there are ranges of sound that we can't hear but that dogs can? Okay, so do you ever wonder if there are more things like that? Like, are there colors that we can't see? Like, what if there are more than three primary colors? What if there are more than five senses? What if there are more than four dimensions? That last, an idea which has moved in the last 50 years from like wild imagination to definite possibility with the arrival of quantum mechanics and string theory. So what are the things that we don't know now but we will someday? And are there things that we're just never gonna know. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. One of the coolest things about our Bible is that because the readings are from such a wide span of time in history, as you progress through the Bible, you can watch people's understanding of God evolving and expanding. So one of the coolest things about both our readings today is that they both capture a moment in time when people's understanding of God took a big leap forward. So first, the Isaiah passage. Grace told us a little bit of the background. Thank you for reading, Grace, wherever you are. Thank you, Grace. So a little bit about the background. So this is written during Israel's exile in Babylon as they're on the eve of coming home. And so here's kind of the worldview at the time when um, 
during the exile. So the way that people have understood the world for a while at this point is that there are kind of two realms. There's like earth and everything that's happening down here, and then there's the heavenly realms. So down here are all the people, and up here are all the gods. And so each nation, each little nation had their own god, and the thought was that whatever happens on earth is corresponding to whatever is happening up in the heavenly realms. So, for example, if two nations are fighting, it means their gods are fighting each other up in the heavens. And if your nation defeats my nation in battle, it means that your god defeated my god. And so for centuries, what people do, if their nation got conquered, they would all start worshiping the god of whoever conquered them, because naturally you want to throw in your lot with the strongest god possible. But then the Babylonian Empire comes to Israel, and they come down hard. They destroy the capital city of Jerusalem. They take most of the leaders and take them away from their homeland and move them to Babylon where they can keep an eye on them. And probably the most crushing thing of all is they destroy the temple, which was thought to be the place where God's spirit resides. So what does this all mean? Does this mean that God is dead? And here's where the Israelites take this huge leap in their understanding of God, and they decide that just because they've been defeated, that does not mean that God is defeated. And that just because they can't go to the temple, that doesn't mean that they can't be in the presence of God, that in fact, God can come to them wherever they are, even in a foreign land, even at this lowest, hardest point of time in their lives. And they start to think that maybe, just maybe, God is not one little God among many, but something that is bigger and somehow above and beyond all of the everyday conflict and strife of human life. Pretty cool, pretty big leap. However, they still have some learning to do because in trying to figure out why this could have happened, they decide, well, if it doesn't mean that God was defeated, it must mean that God is punishing us for something that we did wrong. And that idea... That idea that good things and bad things that happen to us are God rewarding or punishing us for things that we've done. That belief persisted through till the time of Jesus, in some ways still persists today, and is a theology that has caused a lot of hurt, a lot of heartbreak, and a lot of judgment. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. Okay, fast forward 500 years to our gospel reading from Luke. Jesus is talking with his followers, and they ask him to weigh in on the latest headline of the day, which, of course, is when the governor, Pilate, had a bunch of people executed while they were making offerings at the temple. So the Galileans that they're talking about, that's another word for a group they called the Zealots. So this was a fanatical sect that fiercely resented the taxation and oppression by the occupying Roman Empire, and they were trying to incite people to come together and fight back and rebel. So when they ask Jesus this, this is way more than just small talk. There are some big questions underneath what they're asking. Namely, they're asking Jesus to take sides. Should we rebel or should we not? And they're asking, which side is God on in all of this? And Jesus gets that, and he gets their thinking, which is, if Pilate was able to kill all of those people, does that mean that God is on the side of the hated Roman Empire? Not possibly. 
So in trying to find some other explanation, up comes that same thinking from the exile, which is, well, maybe God is punishing them, using Pilate to punish them for something they've done wrong. And to this theory, Jesus responds with an emphatic no. God is not using Pilate as an instrument of divine retribution. God does not work that way. And to really hammer his point home, right, he brings up another recent headline, a natural disaster when this tower suddenly collapses and kills 18 people, an event that clearly has nothing to do with anything those 18 people had done wrong. Tragedy just sometimes happens. So Jesus refuses to take sides, and then he's quick to turn the attention back on them, saying essentially, forget about Pilate. What are you guys doing with your lives? What do you need to change? And then he tells this parable about the fig tree. What are the areas in your life where you need to be giving a little bit more attention? What are the areas in your life that you need to be cutting down and cutting out because they're not bearing good fruit? So it's a very clever redirection by Jesus, and it's just good advice to live by. But it does not answer their question of why do bad things happen? And where is God when people are suffering? In Isaiah, we learn it doesn't mean that God is defeated. In Luke, we learn it doesn't mean that God is punishing us. But what does it mean? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Okay, so once upon a time... There were two babies in the womb, twins, and they're talking to each other. And one baby says to the other, you know, do you ever, do you ever wonder if, if maybe there's more to life than this? Another baby's like, what? more? What are you talking about? What do you mean more? He's like, well, I don't know. I don't know. Like, do you ever wonder if, 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 if maybe, maybe the world is bigger than this? Bigger. How could it be bigger? Like, I could feel one wall over here, and I think you can feel the other wall with your foot, right? I don't, I don't understand how it could be bigger than this. Yeah, okay, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. But, but do you ever wonder if, if maybe the world is brighter than this? Like, like what, if there's, what if there's color? Color. What do you, I mean, it's like a little darker gray over here, and then a little lighter gray over there, but color. I can't even imagine what color could be. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, maybe you're right, maybe you're right. But, but do you ever wonder if, do you ever wonder if maybe, maybe there's life after delivery? <laughs> life after delivery. In delivery, our life cord is cut. That is our only source of oxygen and nutrients. How could there possibly be life after delivery? Okay. Maybe you're right, maybe you're right. But do you ever wonder if maybe there's someone else out there? Somebody who knows us and loves us and will take care of us? Someone, someone like a mother. A mother? How could there be? If there's a mother, where is she? I don't, I don't see a mother anywhere. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe this world is all there is. Maybe this is just all there is. But maybe, just maybe there's more. 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Maybe, maybe one day we will understand why in this world there is so much pain and so much suffering right alongside all of the goodness and all of the beauty. Maybe that will be our next big leap in our understanding of God. Maybe we're going to learn it soon. Maybe we can't learn it until we die. Maybe we'll never know. But as to where is God, where is a good and loving God in the presence of pain and suffering? Jesus stops short that day of telling his listeners where God was in those latest tragedies. But in just a few weeks' time, he's going to show them. He's going to show them where God is on the cross. That in suffering, it does not mean that God is defeated, and it does not mean that God is punishing us. It means that God is right there with us. And so for me, for now, that's enough. Not to understand it all, but to trust that when we suffer, God suffers with us. And that just like those babies in the womb, God is all around us, is carrying us, holding us, nourishing us, sustaining us, and soon we'll be giving birth to new life. There is a lot that we know, and there is a lot that we don't know. So may we be good stewards of everything that we do know. May we use it to live good and full lives in the service of God and one another. But may we never get too sure of ourselves. May we be honest about the things that we don't know and don't understand. May we stay in touch with that mystery. And may that mystery keep us humble, keep us open, keep us learning, keep us searching, keep us wondering, and most of all, keep us full of wonder in the presence of a God who is utterly beyond our ability to imagine.